September 14, 2021. It's the Watt from Pedro Show.
from Pedro's show. Happy Tuesday. Start off Liberia for John Coltrane. And Critters Buggin', Booga Dougie. Which must be hidden slang. Or maybe some, <laughs> or maybe some pun rock. Well, yeah. Ah, you can tell people I'm not man alone. Because of those software engineers of Stony with their Skype invention. I got Brother Brad Hauser with me. Welcome aboard, Brad. Hey, hey. Yeah. Who we got to thank for the connect? Ken, uh, Ken Haas from Reverend. Absolutely. Brother Ken Haas out of Toledo with the Reverend Guitars. Of course, the Watt Plower and uh, fellow bass brother. We can. Uh... But, you know, I have some critter bugging connects because the Matt Chamberlain thing, right? You know, he grew up in Pedro. Well, he, and He's uh, from Pedro and Jerry Trebotic. Well, it's really Trebitich, but you can say, yeah, everybody says it. Yeah, right. he called, well, yeah, Trebotic in America, yeah, Trebitich. That's <laughs> Trebitich, yeah. Well, they don't have the C with the little V over it in our uh, way of Roman. Uh, <laughs> right. Letters, right, Roman alphabet. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> they grew up a couple blocks from each other. But but Matt Cameron, uh, the, the band is play, uh, played in Pedro. Skrillex. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, 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 that was a funny gig, actually. We played, it was at the Common Grounds, no, right? No, no, no. It was called Sacred Grounds, and, it, and it, it was, it's a block away now. It's closer to the Warner Theater, but you were at the first version of Sacred Grounds. A guy named Dave from Santa Monica started that. It's still going in Pedro, and I remember that gig. But, but you know, let's go back how you got on... Uh, you know, with music and all this stuff, uh, your journey, right? Right. Brad, please bring the earliest musical recollection you got. Actually, the earliest memory I have was going to a hootenanny with my parents, and I remember seeing a banjo player, and that's all I can remember. It was like in Dallas suburb, Richardson, Texas, and, uh, man, I was probably like four years old or something. And I remember, I remember seeing a banjo. So that's the earliest recollection I have. You know a bass man that started on the banjo that I know? Who's that? Chris Kirkwood from Meat Puppets. He said oh, that's wow. why he graduated, uh, gravitated to the bass because he thought the way the, the the starboard hand was working, the you know plucking, thought it was kind of like banjo. <laughs> so you know, whatever it takes. If if that memory's there. It must have been important, you know, and uh, who knows? Uh, I know, right? Right, right. And the pad you grew up in, was there instruments? No. My parents, my mother had played piano as a kid, but we never had a piano in the house. Okay. But my dad, my dad would sing, and it wasn't until after his death, back in 07, I started remembering his singing and I was just used to it. But, man, he was a really good singer. He had tuning and timing and a real fat groove when he would sing. And he would just, like, just sing songs spontaneously, country stuff and stuff. And I was just so used to it that I just didn't realize what a great singer he was. And um, Well, you know, the voice so, the voice definitely is an instrument, probably one of the first ones. It's and, the uh, first, for sure. That and hitting the sticks together. <laughs> and I think the feet on the earth. Dancing was probably oh. the first drum set. Oh, maybe it's just a theory I got, Brad. But oh, you know yeah, what? That's, that's a good one. You, you you take you take it for granted, right? Stuff that's always in your life. Yeah, that that's a, yes. It's a hard lesson to learn until like you lose people, like you said when you pop, you lost your pop. Well, what about the first record you bought with your own money, Brad? Uh, American Pie by Don McLean sure. in fifth grade. 
big long song. And what about yeah? I bought it. On, I bought it on a cassette. Actually, we had a little cassette player, and they were just starting to sell cassettes at the store. Everybody was buying eight tracks and vinyl, and um, and so I got an actual cassette. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> In October, there's going to be like a cassette week. I mean, this it's coming back, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Now, in those days, I was the 8-track guy, you know, the Dime, the Columbia Record Club, whatever. Because they didn't want people, they they weren't, there were some 4 and 8-track recorders, but there was a buttload more cassettes, so the industry, yeah, they frowned on that. They didn't want people making (laughs) their own, but, you know, fuck that. They're gone now, anyway. Uh, What about about the first gig you saw? Maybe maybe that Hootenanny. Well, that would have been it. Um, wow, the first gig I saw. Well, you know, I drinking age was 18 when I was young, so I started going to bars when I was 16, and I'd use my buddy's ID, and we would go see cover bands in Dallas, like rock and roll stuff, and and they were all really good. There was a pretty, pretty high level of playing going on. Oh, you and, know, a great uh, bass man and drummer team in Dallas was fucking... Brother Dusty, right? Frank Beard. Because Billy came up from Houston to get them guys. Yeah, you know, I always knew of them being having Houston roots. And, I, you know, that that bears investigating. I think Dusty was from Houston also. It is brother Rocky. Rocky yeah, but Hill they ended up it. playing some band called the what, uh, Red, White, and Blues Band or some stuff. I think it was Dallas. Oh, wow. Because Billy's band cool. was kind of a psychedelic you know, England haircuts and stuff. He didn't go for that Lightning Hawkins stuff till a little later. Right. But I think there is a connect. I think there is a connect. I, I know Billy's Houston for sure, and the band got going there, but there's probably a tour circuit, right? You know, Texas is big. Jesus. And I can imagine in those days. Right, they're touring in station wagons. I read about John Coltrane. He liked country squires. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they weren't really torn in vans yet. That that's a later, uh, late sixties, early seventies thing. It's it's station wagons, and the bass guys had to tie the fucking doghouse to the roof, and that's why Leo comes up with the. You know why it's called precision, right? Yeah, because you, you, with Fred, it's you got Fred. Because <laughs> <laughs> the right the doghouse is a giant violin with no chin thing. I uh, know. Right, right, right. Okay, let, let me ask you about school. Were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? Well, yeah, actually, when I was 12 in sixth grade, I started on saxophone oh, and uh, and took to it really quickly. And, Which one? Um, alto? Uh, alto. Alto. And then I switched over to baritone in eighth grade. Oh, Barry. And, Whoa. Okay. And I'm, I'm still a Barry player, actually. Right, Jerry and, Mulligan. Um, Jerry Mulligan, man. <laughs> yeah, we know it. And also, bass clef. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I play. I played all through school. I ended up in marching band in junior high and did that all through senior year. Every year, seven thirty every morning in the fall. Yeah. And, and those uh, uh, big fucking heavy wool suits and the sweaty. <laughs> it was hot. Yeah, man. yeah. God bless. <laughs> ah. And. Uh, <laughs> And but, I took up bass my senior. I, I finally got a. Well, well how'd that happen? Parent. How'd that happen? How'd that move happen? Well, I was me and some buddies from my church put a band together, and the guitar player was real good. Bass player was not super happening, and he ended up quitting 
And I, I would pick up his bass from time to time and just kind of took to it. And so I jumped on bass and was like borrowing basses and shit. What was it? And Fender? Oh, it was a pan. The, the main one was a pan P bass copy. Okay. Which actually was a pretty good bass, and I bet it was made in Japan. And Some of uh, copies are pretty fucking okay. I played a, a, I don't know, LTD or something kind of jazz from the 70s, and it was fucking great. Uh, the yeah. Cat and the Go team had it. Uh, Jamie. Look, oh, what about the amp? Oh, uh, we had we had a custom tuck and roll oh, yeah. head, <laughs> and we would all plug into it. What, and, one uh, amp for the band? Yeah, for the guitar and the bass yeah. at first, and then um, another buddy of mine loaned me his custom tuck and roll head, and I borrowed that for a while and would borrow speaker cabinets. I mean, I was just totally on borrowed gear. But when I was in ninth grade, my parents had bought me a pretty decent baritone sax, and I had that through high school. And then at the beginning of my senior year, my guitar buddy was working at a music store, and I arranged, and I went and traded my baritone for a 78 P-Bass. Oh, wow. That P-Bass weighed a ton. Oh, right, my God. Swamp Ash. I know 70s. Did it have three bolts or four? I think it had four, actually. Yeah, I remember the J-Basses had three. Yeah, I wanted a J-Bass. Well, also Tele-Basses. Uh, in the 70s, they tried that, and you could yank them out of tune. It was bunk. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, they were doing that. But there was a cool thing about it. They had a little hole there, so you didn't have to take the neck off to shim it with the matchbook cover. You could actually move a little hex nut to get that. Fenders, you can do that. You could change angle. Yeah, the neck tilt. Yeah, that was kind of cool, actually. Absolutely cool. Absolutely cool. Besides, uh, if you want another body or something. (laughs) (laughs) I think Duck Dunn. Duck Dunn used a a jazz neck on a P-Bass body. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about did, did this this church band? Was it just practice or at services, or did you guys do gig? Well, we would we played in church with the choir occasionally, and we just rocked out. We were doing like Steve Miller and Trapeze and Steve Miller. I think he was Texas, and you know his basement. Oh, he was totally Texas, Dallas. right? Because yeah. he. Uh, but he ended up playing bass for Boss Cags, maybe or some shit. They had a well. They they both went to St. Mark's High School and a Catholic high school in Dallas, and they had a band called the Marksmen. Okay. Together, yeah, together, Boz and Steve Miller. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because you know, yeah, some cheesy AM radio hits, but man, the dude knows blues. Yeah, that actually the first big, big arena show I saw was Steve Miller in 1976. Man, they had lasers. Wow. They had lasers in Is their life. Is that like fly, I, fly Like an Eagle and that? Yeah, like it was. It was right around that slipping. period. And, yeah. man, it was, it was a really good show. He had a great band. Yeah. And, uh, right, I remember I he remember, had a brother who played bass uh, with upside-down uh, headstock and shit. Yeah, he moved to the city. Then Boz did, too, and that became their home. I think he still does something at Slim's every year with the blues thing. He comes in there and has people come. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, look, you gave me this uh, some more critters, the early critters bug, and this thing, uh, ARP 2600 versus Drum Ape. <laughs> That's a title.
Lot for Pedro Show, that chunk of music start off. Critters bugging, doing trippy kind of outtake. So kind of rarity here from Brad. Uh, ARP 2600 versus Drum Ape. Then uh, brand new from Brazil's uh, Vamos do Limbo. Portuguese people. Do Limbo, not Del Limbo. <laughs> UB1, the title track. Uh, Pete Kane after that. Uh, Pat Kane's got brand new album out of D.C. area. Great, great album, Gesture. Uh, guided by voices, Bob Pollard out of Dayton. My limited engagement, limited in parentheses, people. Lamas Prendon, uh, they collaborated over the internet. They worked it so there was big spaces so you didn't have to, well, you do have to deal with the latency. But one day we're going to conquer that, people. We'll be jamming over the thing in your life. Northern Jaw for that brand new unified field. Bill Nace, his piece both. This is part four of eight. Uh, pay Dirt, which is Victoria Shen and Brian Day with a la modem in modernity. A lot of modems. A lot of modems. I remember 300 bowed modem screaming <laughs> at you. Like, like a fax machine, right? You picked up. Yeah, that sound. Right, you know. Dead Kenny, the Dead Kenny G's. <laughs> this is a great band name. Uh, you <laughs> flowed that to me, brother Brad. Melvin Jones. Oh, yeah, cool. What, what was the Dead Kenny G's? Well, it was Critters Buggin' minus Chamberlain. Ah, actually. okay, okay. Like he, it was me and Mike Dillon and Skerrick. She, yeah, okay, Skerrick. That's it, not Skrillex. That's a clown with the trippy haircut. And uh, works the, the the space bar and the power book. Yeah, look, um, what a gig, right? I'm gonna pay a lot of bones to see that. But <laughs> but but, but, but Mister Chamberlain, he's busy a lot, right? So maybe that's why, right? Yeah, the band we he just got busier. Yeah. And um, he moved back here. I think he's living in Hollywood. He wouldn't live back yeah. back to Pedro, but he's thirty miles north in Hollywood. His wife wanted to live in Hollywood, so uh, he's like Silver Lake. That's it. That's it. East yeah. yeah. Uh, too 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 far from the water for what? But lots of great people. <laughs> <living there. laughs> lots of good. Okay, so let's get back to your music journey. So, uh, did these guys ever the the Bandit Church ever have a name? We were ended up being called Threshold. Threshold, that's good, dude. <laughs> Not tricky, bad. Kind of, yeah, it could be worse, right? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. A lot like there's a band in the third hour. He's got the ter most terrible name, but they, they, I like their tunes. But man, you don't call your your band Babes New York City, do you? Maybe New York Dolls, but not Babes New York City. Anyway, oh, funny. <laughs> uh, what happens with your with your tenure of Threshold? Well, we, uh, I ended up going off to college at Texas A&M trying to be an engineer and I didn't work, but ah, I but met you a didn't, You didn't pursue music in higher education? No, I, I didn't have, I really, I, I just played and, um, uh, well, I, I eventually did. What happened was I went off to Texas A&M and I met a guitar player down there and he eventually became the New Bohemians original guitar player. And, uh. And we were doing like like Jeff Beck kind of stuff like Texas that. Texas A and M, that's College Station, and, and there's yes. What's the town next to it? Brian or Brian? Yeah, that's right. Because I played there once. Yeah, I'm not anyway, surprised. Anyway, didn't mean to, to interrupt, but my memory. Uh, no, I'm not surprised to hear you played Brian College Station. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was an interesting gig. But anyway, your I story. Bet. Your, your story. <laughs> and so. Uh, yeah, it kind of ties. What happened was, is then um, I dropped out of A&M, came back to Dallas, was living at home, 
And I started going to community college at Richland College, and they had a great music program. And so I start. I took a theory class for a couple of years. Did jazz, jazz band, took a jazz improv class, ear training class, uh, music history, and man, it was all great. The, the teachers were fantastic. I mean, it was it was badass. And uh, and during that time, a drummer showed up there just out of high school. And I had landed like a cocktail tuxedo gig doing like <laughs> New York. Yeah, doing like I New York, New laugh, York. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, seriously. Well, man, it gets better because like there were no charts. <laughs> the, the piano player had a really low voice. Nothing was in standard key. And all I had was a fretless bass at the time. Whoa. And so I literally go into this gig. I mean, they needed a bass player and they must have been really hard up to get me. I had no experience. I'd never walked bass lines before. And uh, and all of a sudden I'm having to play standards by ear. And wow. It was brutal. It was fucking brutal. And yeah. like, uh, <laughs> and I would just basically watch the piano player's hands and try to figure left out hand, right, left hand. Oh man, just try to figure out what chord he was playing. At the end of the first gig, I'm going, man, dude, I don't know. I'm I'm sorry, I'm screwing up a lot. And he goes, well, you're you're a pretty good player, and you seem to have pretty good ears. So keep coming back. And I just kept coming back. We would do Friday and Saturday nights, and that. Ah, oh, so that was kind of like a classroom. Oh my God, yeah, and 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 the drummer that ended up on that gig was going to Richland College, and so I just decided to go there. So yeah, I had this cocktail gig first, and then because of this drummer, I just decided to go to, to school there. And it just, so for a while I'd play at night and go to school during the day and man, it was awesome. And, uh, and, and then like in the beginning of 84, I picked up this cover band gig doing like holiday inns in South Texas and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, with these two brothers from Oklahoma that had a band called Broxton. And I did that for like nine months and I came back to town and my friend Eric, the New Bohemians original guitar player, graduated A&M, was back in Dallas working. And he and I, one night, fall of 84, we got wind of this killer band called Feet First that was playing in Dallas. And they were, I mean, Dallas at the time was, you were playing blues or you were in a cover band. There was nothing else. Well, and, the Kimer uh, Street, I remember... Uh... Triple A rant, but it had different names. Twilight Room to Triple A rant. Well, yeah, you know, and I didn't know about the punk rock scene yet. Oh, okay, and, okay. This was by, I mean, by I was the, just, the cop shop, right? Mr. Ruby, I think, might have owned it at one time. <laughs> yeah, the Twilight Room was just starting up. I mean, I, well, actually, like in 82, I went to the Hot Club a couple of times. Yeah. And then, and then they closed. And there just was kind of a hole for a while. And we went and saw this band called Feet First. And, man, they were doing, like, reggae and ska and, like, New Orleans Neville Brothers stuff. Yeah. And they were, gr and they were great. And they were, really, yeah. and they were really pretty girls dancing who weren't, like, Dallas chicks. And we tripped out. <laughs> and we go, man, we got to start a band. And he had been into ska at the time and stuff. And I was, too, like, in police and all that. And I was going, hey, I know this drummer who's into all this. And so we called him up and started playing. And just started getting gigs right away. And that was fall of 84. And then Edie showed up in the spring of 85. And uh, 
And then Deep Ellum started taking off right around that time. And we started playing down there, like at the theater gallery and later the Profit Bar and uh, Club, Club Dada. Club, Club Clearview? Clearview, yeah. Right. I remember that was one of the first ones. Look, we're at it the was. end of the first hour, Brad. Uh, September 14, 2021. This is what Peter so special guest, Brad Hauser. Hold tight for hour two. September 14, 2021. It's the second hour. A lot from Pete Rose Show.
black frames, French farce, and plaster men out of Ithaca. Tell you something. Planning for burial. They're brand new, I think, Pennsylvania. Parking lot mosh. Yeah, I never heard that. We called it slam. Mosh huh. was like, wait, yeah, that's revision. Sorry. Oh, slam dance, yeah. Yeah, no, the mosh, that's for people 20 years later pretending they were there. <laughs> yeah, right. Planning for, uh, that was planned for burial. Then uh, Laflange de Mall. Uh, this is uh, Brother Chris Cohn's in Austin, kind of near you. And uh, his project called uh, La Flange de Mall with White Rabbit, not the Jefferson Airplane one. Lucas and Bella out of Sydney with Mustang. And finally, Lucky Dog, Black Frames again. Hip, hip is the Black Frames. Well, Black Frames was Critters bugging with a different drummer. Uh, it was with Earl Harvin, who. Um, so it was like Dead Kenny, Kenny G's and Black Frames are basically the same band with. But they're not, even though the drums yeah. are different. Okay. Yeah, and so Earl, Earl Harbin was, uh, he showed up in Denton at the same time that Chamberlain did, uh, right around 86 or so. And uh, they were like the top drummers. Er, Har Harbin is like this most unbelievable musician. He ended up playing with Seal for a few years, and he's oh, moved to Ber he moved to Berlin. Yeah, I was going to he's say, because he's overseas. Great singer, man. Jesus. Yeah, and and so Harvin, Harvin, and Harvin's one of the greatest jazz drummers I've ever seen in my life. But he also got super into punk rock, and he had this crazy noisy band called Rubber Bullet for a while in the oh, '90s yeah. in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, now right. Denton, you're talking about the uh, music school, North Texas, right? Yeah, Denton. Yeah, North Texas. Right, right. And yeah, uh, Harvin. Harvin ended up being in the One O'clock Lab Band, which is the top band there. I mean, you've got. You know, but cats would come to it's not that far from Dallas, right? So they come. For, yeah, forty miles north. Right, yeah, so right. it, and a lot of people would graduate and just kind of stay in the area and just end up working in Dallas. So the Dallas music scene, there's a lot of really high level players there because they just came out of Denton. Sure, sure. And so, so Denton kind of fed Dallas that way. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, and so, but you, you got a chance to to play with him and stuff in Black Frame. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a fun band. It was mallet based. It was basically vibraphone and uh, Mike Dillon got Skerrick to buy a marimba and taught taught Skerrick a bunch of marimba parts. So Skerrick would play some sax and a lot of marimba, and it was a real mallet focused band. And, um, like some of that cab beef, even Frank Zappa tried that stuff, right? Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah. Melodic percussive. It's, it's a trip. It's got its own sound. There's nothing like it. Yeah, totally. It's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Rocket Martin on the bass. F f finger picks like banjo steel finger picks playing bass and like strumming, you know, out your fingers out like flamenco, you know, right. That kind of backhand shit. Yeah. I've tried that on bass some. I took up pedal steel a couple of years ago, and so um, I got all fired up. So I play pedal steel now some, and that's the most freaking insane instrument I've right? ever dealt like with. Right, there's like 10 billion options. Yeah, <laughs> The possibilities are like fucking, whoa. Yeah, the hardest thing is like, whoa, this chord sounds good. Where's the next one? How do I play it? <laughs> oh, shit. And... Um, <laughs> And all the but linkages, right? Which strings get bent, which don't? Yeah, yeah. Which pedal? So many what? choices. So many choices. 
But it's an incredible I'm, instrument, man. Stooges got to have a cat in Austin when we did a South by Southwest, a song James Williamson and Ig wrote for Ronnie. They, a cat from there came on, you know, like a sideband, and he was beautiful. I wish I could remember his name. There's some really good steel players in oh, Austin. Man. And it's a world of its own. You know, Nels told me, because for Wilco, right, he does some lap steel. He says, what? Lap steel is not pedal steel. <laughs> well, like, in a way, in a way, lap steel can be harder because those pedals make it easier sometimes. Oh, you wow. Know? Okay. Okay. And, and yeah, you've got to get crazy with a lap steel to try to get some of those chords. You whereas know, on I got a pedal, to meet, uh, Sneaky Pete. Yeah. Oh, man. Sneaky Pete Kleino. Yeah. Yeah. At, at, at Cherokee in West Hollywood when I was making my wrestling record. Sweet guy. And the, the brothers, there was two brothers that owned that studio. And the, one of them lived on a boat in Pedro here. But Sneaky Pete. Yeah. And I think the purest guys didn't like he was trying stuff that they didn't dig. Right. Because he was a pioneer. He's pushing it. And uh, wow, maybe some overdrive and stuff, you know, whatever. Everybody gets, uh, I just love the instrument. It's bitching that you, you, you're getting into it, Brad. You gave me this stuff. Here's another project. Diamond Booms. Yeah, that's with my wife. That's new. We just recorded that uh, like six months ago. Okay, let me play it. You are 
from Pedro Show. That chunk of music start off the Diamond Booms. Dear True Friend, have a nice life with Deep Deep. Samuel Lockward, Iowa City with Box O Wine. Sun Watchers, Pedal One. The Suns with two U's. Brand new, see through. And again, Diamond Booms with Medicine. So hip us to Medicine, you and your wife. Yeah, that. Well, medicine started with a bass, that bass, that bass part. I just yeah. started playing that and kind of came up with the structure. And then I, I got that in my looper pedal. I put the whole, basically put the whole song in my looper pedal. And then I play pedal steel on it when we do it live. Ah. And, uh, and we've got, we've got another song. I actually, tonight, my assignment for my wife is to get one of my other bass lines into the looper so I can play steel on that. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to do a live stream on October 6th on Facebook Live that okay. night. And okay. so um, Is it from just my a, page. Just a duet? It's just a duet. Yeah, we've kept it just duet. And we're trying to, just, I don't know, just kind of do it that way. And then, and, and um, then the way the song, the, your composition, you start with bass stuff, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, so I love far. That. I love that. Now, Brad, tell me some influences you got bass wise you look up to some bass players oh my god john paul jones good, good. Um, i got to meet him once sweet guy very very kind man yeah he was he had a great vibe i just met him just for like one second in seattle a few years ago at, after one of his shows and yeah he just he just had a very he had an awesome vibe i saw and, him uh, playing in a power trio blues trio with c6 steve C sixteen. He's C six Steve. He's a Vermonter or a, a Vermont. Oh, C six Steve, right? Right, or, or, or a New Hampshire guy who moved to Sweden or something and does blues over there. Nice man, really nice man. And John Paul Jones had no problem, you know, playing his heart out for him. He's beautiful. Oh yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah, I mean, he and Bonham listened to all the American blues and R and B. They were experts on it. Yeah, and anybody else? Uh, well, Jocko, of course, eventually. And uh, I was into Getty Lee and Chris Squire. Actually, what happened was I was real into them, and I had a Rickenbacker bass. I was like 19. And at Texas A&M, I ran into a guy who had a bootleg tape of the old Eric Johnson trio. And it turns out this tape was from a birthday party thrown for Bill Hicks, the famous comedian yeah, by his yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, died young of yeah. cancer. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bill Hicks's girlfriend threw a party at her house in Houston like, oh, in the late 70s for Bill. And my friend Jeff Spaulding was going to high school with Bill Hicks. And so he went to this party, ended up getting a – Somebody made a bootleg cassette of the old the old Eric Johnson trio was mind blowing. They sounded Eric like Jeff Johnson, Beck meets Eric Johnson, great guitar man. Oh man, it was mind blowing. And uh, and so we got a hold of this ninety minute bootleg tape, me and the original New Bohemians guitar player, and it changed our lives. Like I got rid of my Rick and Bob. Who, who was the bass man, Roscoe? No, it was no. Kyle Brock. Okay, yeah, and yeah, man, yeah, okay. And actually, Kyle Brock to this day is probably my biggest influence. Man, he was playing through a, a high-watt stack with like an Echoplex <laughs> and a Maestro bass Brassmaster fuzz pedal and just 
He was like the Texas Jocko, but dirty. You know, my, my Texas basement, besides Dusty, I love but Dusty, but uh, Keith Ferguson. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, man. Upside down, OP base, right? Yeah. I, I got to share a stage with him when he did that little trio called Tailgaters. I loved his playing. That guy, I loved that bass playing. I love the sound. I love the feel, the groove. Such an inspiration to me. That's why I asked you, Brad. Well, man, you know, I play saxophone with some of my old neighbors down here in a Zydeco band, and actually the Tailgaters guitar player played. Yeah, great He's, guy. Yeah, Don Leedy. He Don, played with man. us last weekend. I've, I've oh, played wow. with him. Tell him, yeah, tell I've him played hi. with him you like three again. times now. Because I remember he watched the Minutemen set. It was at the Continental Club in Austin. And he said, man... Sometimes I do stuff like that. You come up with a little thing, and then you let it go. <laughs> he was tripping yeah. on the tiny socks. You know? <laughs> That's he awesome. was so kind to us, though, you know, because there was a lot of uh, hate towards punk. Uh, oh, by, uh, yeah, yeah, What, yeah. what you called a real musician? Not him. Oh, shit. Not right. Keith. They're, they're the beautiful guys. You don't get that much anymore because I don't know why. <laughs> it was lame in those We're at the end of the second hour. September 14, 2021 edition. What Peter show special get guest Brad Hauser hold time for hour three September 14, 2021. Third hour, what for Pedro show.
scordato il tuo sorriso mentre andavo in panificio poi più tardi ho capito che non ero innamorato a quel tempo mi facevo ero solo un drogato però adesso sono cambiato amo solo il cioccolato non mi trovo non bevo niente vivo solo il cioccolato fondente
show start the third hour back to critters bugging uh press for uh persephone yeah you know, oh persephone uh, yeah persephone persephone i was persephone, gonna like, that's how i used to I, say well, it. i was gonna make a joke on uh, idiots who don't know old greek <laughs> would, would say this yeah persephone uh under mars well you know when they say hey it looks all greek that's because they got another fucking alphabet <laughs> Actually, yeah, it came right? before ours, right? Yeah, we got ours from the Etruscans. Totally. Right, Critters Buggin'. And then uh, Pet Bottle Ninja with While Sitting, uh, Pedro. No, it's actually Pedro, people. Only people live here say it's stupid. Like, sort of like a uh, San Jacinto, right? The river. <laughs> it ain't really. Uh, yeah. 
and, uh, what's it called? Town Lake. He goes into San Jacinto, right? But there, yeah, same thing. Uh, well, ever in any any town with a Spanish name in Texas is not pronounced with the right. Spanish pronunciation. Well, what about the big town in Kentucky, Lexington? Their main street is Versailles. <laughs> so they, oh my they God, fuck up French too. <laughs> that's egre- Versailles. That's egregious. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Pedro's pretty bad, but we don't say fucking fry joes or tortillas or jalapenos. We're not that stupid. No, right. Um, and here's that band name, Babes New York City, Pedro's dirty, <laughs> Little Dirty Song. Uh, love and Low Resolution for black, uh, Bad Blood uh, Exhaust out of Germany. Totala out of the Swiss part of, no, the French part of Switzerland. No, Italian part of Switzerland. Fuck what. Totala with uh, Chocolata Fondente. I screw up Italian too, people. Ex-girl. This got your wife. I should have had it in the fucking block of music with diamond booms. Fucked up again. Sorry, Brad. And and this is a Hedakori no Otokoto. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, a little bit. I'd screw up Japanese too. Uh, Critters uh, bugging finally with Dorothy. Okay, so how do you get in Critters bugging, Brad? Well, you know, Chamberlain was the second drummer in the New Bohemians with Edie, and he joined after we made our first album and he was in for like three years and then the band broke up spring of 91. He ended up uh, meeting the Pearl Jam guys, did a short van tour with them when they were unknown and filmed their first video in Seattle at the end of that tour. That was like summer of 91 and he ended up moving there and, uh, and he got there and he'd been there a few months and he was like, dude, there's like gigs everywhere. You got to come, you got to come out here. And I was, I went, I was in upstate New York for a year at that time and just kind of languishing. And, uh, and so I moved, I got some money together, moved to Seattle and we started Critters Bug and I met, he had already met Skerrick. And so he and I started playing with Skerrick and it just kind of blew up immediately. And we, we booked a gig at the. Did you ever play at the OK Hotel in 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 Seattle in the in the nineties? No, I didn't, but I knew about it. God damn, that was the best place ever. Oh my god, man! You could see Bill Frizzell there. John Zorn came through there. There'd be yeah. punk rock. Queens of the Stone Age did their first what I, Seattle what I gig there. I remember about those days was no underage pads in Seattle. No underage. They were all, well, you might have not been aware of that because, you know. Frat- well, there was a little bit, yeah, but there wasn't what did I much. Played? I played this thing down top called the Town Pump or some shit. It was like a frat club. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was hard to play in this time period you're talking about. It was kind of tough. Some pads didn't stay open more than, well, fuck, there was time when there was only one club in Portland. You know, the whole Northwest was kind of bleak for a while. So, okay. It's Matt Chamberlain who brings you in because of the old connect with uh, that other Yeah, band. with Edie and the band. Yeah, and so, okay. and we started up Critters, and man, just people started showing up right away because Skerrick had this big band called Sad Happy that was like an instrumental, like, prog trio with him and a really amazing bass player named Paul Hinklin. And, uh, and they did, like, real like fusiony prog rock and man they blew up in seattle in the early 90s during the grunge years yeah and they they had broken up 
And so when Skerek started playing with us and we started gigging, just people started showing up because they knew who Skerek was. Okay, and, so they had uh, a little built-in thing. Yeah, because he's got he's got charisma and magnetism. Oh yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's a great cat. And, yeah, uh, he knows how to work a room and stuff. And also, he's, oh he's, my god, he's a good musician. I always thought of him. I always thought of him as like this mad carnival barker on yeah. acid. <laughs> well, you got to sell it, right? You got to sell it. You gotta. Yeah, yeah. Look, you gave me uh, some more critters, but uh, Brozo the clone. Oh, I love that song. Okay.
that's one of the reasons you listen to this program. Well, another way is to read 10 ways to live longer. This is a valuable handbook that tells you how to maximize your chances of living a long and healthy life.
the shears and get ready for the mullet cut.
Watch for Pedro Show last music for this edition. Critters bugging Brozo the Clone, which people have been enlightened by Brad with the knowledge it began as drummer composition. Yeah. Chico Hamilton couldn't get drum- songwriting credits in the 60s. Oh, drummers can't write so Fuck that. Uh, if Bawana, this is uh, Accident Free Households. Yeah. Armagolis from Chester, New York. Talking to his buddy, uh, Crank Sturgeon, yesterday. Uh, Kishibashi was on the show last week. Cascades, Doublelicious by Los Skeletons out of South London. And finally, best title, Mullet Cut. <laughs> oh, Martin. yeah. <laughs> Who wants a mullet cut? <laughs> Ed from Ohio had one in your Brave Captain <laughs> video I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and from Ohio. yeah, the, I remember they were from French TV. They they filmed that for free near my prax pad. You know, I've had the same prax pad for thirty five years at the old army base. They closed down. Wow. The yeah, it's the officer's head. I tore out all the shitters and put in a bulkhead and a hatch and some uh, rug. Thirty five years. Nothing like having a prax pad, right? So, uh, right now your current thing is diamond booms. Yeah, yeah, Edie and the band, we played a handful of shows. We're not doing much. Uh, I play locally in Austin a lot. Um, I'm just one of the local guys kind of in the, in, the, in, the, in the circle there. And um, I've been playing upstairs at the Continental Club Gallery on the weekends with a great guitar player, Josh Perdue, and a piano player, Matt Hubbard, sometimes. You know, the co-owner, Terry Pearson. He was doing sound in Ballard at the Tractor Tavern. Just a little aside, uh, talking about Austin people. Because so. Continental Club's first club Minutemen played in Austin. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That that pad goes way back. That pad goes back. And uh, like I said, I also got to play there with Tailgaters, Keith Ferguson. Very sad we lost him, but you know, oh, no. don't fuck with heroin. But he just I just loved the way he worked bass, man. I, uh, I think he, he was southpaw, so it was upside down. Yeah, he played left-handed and threw, threw a right-handed bass like upside Jimmy. down yeah, and played like it. Jimmy. Uh, so, and, now Diamond Booms, does it do gigs or is it just recording product? We're, well, we're, start, we're starting to do gigs. You know, we, st- we started during COVID, actually. Our first gig was a live stream yeah. <laughs> from Dallas, actually, at the Deep Ellum Art Company. And... Uh, We've only played one live gig down here. We're still getting our set together. We're still writing songs. So, yeah, it's kind of ongoing. Her her band, uh, we met during South By two years ago, and her band, X-Girl, was playing at their headlining Japan night. And uh, I had met her at the end of the Edie show that we did, and she introduced herself and said, hey, come see my band. And I was like, they were playing at one in the morning on Friday night. I was I was really tired, almost didn't go, and I was like, "Man, you better go," and I did. And they knocked me on my ass. They floored me. It was like this. I mean, I was expecting some like Hello Kitty pop, <laughs> seriously. And man, they came out, and it was like this post punk prog rock assault. Man, there's and, cats uh, over there that can play like crazy oh my god man they were mind-blowing and they have these three-part vocal harmonies that sound like the bulgarian women's choir meets the (laughs) andrews sisters i mean it was sick and you guys get married 
Yeah, I fell in love with her basically during her set. I mean, I already thought she was cute, but then after that, I was like, "Oh my god, we got to get together. I gotta, we gotta start a band. I gotta, we gotta do this." And uh, now, and I ended up going. Is there? A, I ended up. Is there a Diamond Booms website? We just have an Instagram page right now. We don't have a website up, and our and our, our our thing, our our, our four song EPs available on Bandcamp. Yeah. Okay. So. Diamondbooms.bandcamp.com. Okay. Yeah, Diamond Booms with an S. Yeah. Right. D i a m o n d b o o m s. People. That's right. Yeah. And it's what a, about... we call it. It's a lullaby EP. It's four very mellow songs. It's good for bedtime. <laughs> That's okay. It I love it. Takes a lot of colors to make a rainbow. It's all right. It's right. That's right. And, and what, what's the status on the the critter bugging? We are defunct. Whoa! It's over. You take it's the L out of lover, and it's over. I know. So we're going to put a fork in it? Yeah, the fork's pretty much in it. We, you know, they're, they're, I don't know. It's not It's not done until somebody dies, but I don't know. It's no, not, I understand. It's not look- I understand. I don't want to. Yeah, there's enough drama, probably. They don't need one oh, yeah. dog pile. <laughs> Brad. You know, I have a fun, I have a funny story involving you that because we opened for your band Banyan like in '97. Yeah, I think not my band, Sacred- Steve Perkins' band, but I played. Yeah, you're playing, and what happened was I, I used Dr. Strings. I'm one of their endorsers, and I know you were using them. Yeah, you, I liked still, them a lot. Not, not yeah. I haven't been using them lately, but I like them a lot. They're great. Okay, so check it out, man. We were like on tour, and I was I needed a new set of strings. I, I was playing Dr. Lowriders, and I just beat the shit out of them. My set just finally died after months. And that day, I'm thinking, man, I need a new set of strings. Well, we get to the gig. You guys played. Y'all played first. And the stage was completely cleared. And the only thing on the stage was a brand new set of DR lowriders sitting there on the stage right where you had been standing. Because I put, I used to break a lot of strings. So I would put a pack in my uh, Levi right in the waistband in the back. And it must have fallen out. Yeah, dude. And it was that day i mean and they were low riders they were the exact strings i use in the exact gauges it's meant to be brad meant to be dude 105 i I tripped the fuck out i'm like what in the hell is going on here i mean they just fell from the sky here 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 dude i couldn't believe it i tripped the fuck out i mean i was like because i mean it was literally that afternoon i'm thinking man i need some new strings and they were the exact ones oh, man. i was I'm using glad i could I'm do that like, for you brad i'm very glad i could do that dude that that blew my freaking mind you get some, <laughs> okay well, i'm happy to help and help, uh, to aid the bed huh and when you get some uh more diamond booms we come back on the show yes thank you so much truly honor to have you on base brother brad People, it's been September 14, 2021, Dishwap Pedo, so keep your powder dry.